Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. My name is Pastor Lindsay. For those of you who I have not had the privilege yet to meet you, I say welcome. My husband and I, we have just the awesome honor of leading and pastoring here at Avenue. And so welcome. We are a phone-friendly church. Please feel free to take out your phones. You can check in on Facebook. Let your friends and family know that you are here. We also want to welcome our online audience. We're so glad that you guys are tuning in with us today too. Come on, that's awesome. Now you might be wondering, Pastor Lindsay, why are you on the platform? Uh, Pastor Jeremy, I saw on social media that he is supposed to be kicking off this series called Distracted. Well, he got distracted. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> he is actually sick, like sick, sick. I had a friend come up to me this morning at church, and she goes, is your husband sick, or is he like man sick? Now, man, don't be offended, but that is a little bit truth to that statement, and that there is such a thing as man sick. Like, if you get a cold, we think you're in labor. Like, there's just, it just goes to a whole other level. But my husband is not man sick. He is actually sick, sick. So please continue to pray for him um, because he is bummed that he is not here today. Next Sunday is going to be awesome. We are celebrating all the mamas here at Avenue. So hear me. If you are here today and your mama is not with you, you need to bring your mama to Avenue um, next Sunday. We've got gifts and just all kinds of fun elements planned to celebrate all the women in our lives. And then the week after that is child dedication. That is a time where we bring up families um, with children that they want to have dedicated to the Lord. And we pray over them. It's an awesome time for the whole family. So if you are interested in having a child dedicated on Sunday, May 19th, please head over to Avenue Central after today's service, and you can fill out a card there. You can even fill out a card in Growth Track. There's that plug, and you can do that in the Growth Track room. And so today I'm so excited um, to be speaking with you and teaching with you. If you know me, you know I love to teach the Word of God. The Bible is my favorite book in the world. It's not just the world's bestseller. It is literally the fuel for my life. It is God communicating to his people. It's God communicating to people who don't even know him yet. It is awesome. And so I get to share with you a particular story today. But before we get started, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, that you would be here with us, that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, God, and that your word would speak to each and every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to tell you a little bit about King David. Now, I want to give you a backstory to the story that I want to share. Because some of y'all, y'all ever come in, like if you try to watch Endgame and you don't watch any of the, I'm not going to spoil, y'all look at me like you're about to shoot me. I'm not going to say nothing. But if you haven't seen it, I'm really disappointed in you because it's already been out a week. But come on. So, but it's like you're showing up for Endgame and you have no idea why people are there or why they aren't there. You have no clue who the characters are. And so I want to set you up for success by telling you the backstory before I get to the story. So real quick, two-minute backstory. David was a shepherd boy. We know this. He was this little shepherd boy tending to some sheep, when God sent a prophet, a man of God, to his household. David wasn't even in the house. And the prophet came and said, the next king of Israel, meaning king number two, is going to be coming from this house. Where are your sons? 
And all, all the sons line up except David because David wasn't even invited to the meeting because his family didn't even think that he was qualified to be king. Have you never been invited to a family event? By accident, by not accident, I don't know. But we've all been there. And so David wasn't even invited. And so this prophet comes up and he's like, um, do you have any more kids? Because none of these guys is who God wants to be king. I'm like, oh, duh, we have David. And so somebody go get David. And so David comes all the way trekking out from the hills. And now he's invited. And the prophet says, yes, this is the man of God. This is who God has chosen. This ruddy little teen boy, you're going to be the next king of Israel. But how many of you have ever had a situation where God gives you this picture? Or God gives you this promise and yet it ain't time yet. Okay? It wasn't time for David yet. So David, still being this ruddy little teenage boy, his job now, we go further along in his story, his job is to deliver food to his family. How many of y'all are still making food for your family and making deliveries? So he had to go to war, not to fight, but to be the sandwich boy. And so he comes up and he shows up just to check on his brothers. And his brother's like, what are you doing here, annoying little brother? And he's like, I'm here to bring you food. And he's hearing all this bickering and this panic happening because what's happening is the Philistines are fighting God's people, the Israelites. And the Philistines said, let's just make this real easy. Instead of obliviating all of you, let's just choose one person from each side. Let them battle out. And whoever is the losing person, their group of people will have to be slaves to the other group of people, right? So almost like Troy status. So what happens is the Philistines send out Goliath. This nine-foot-plus ginormous man to fight the Israelites. Not one Israelite comes forward. And yet we got this ruddy little teenage boy who says, I will do it. The boy can't even fit in armor because he's too little. He takes off the helmet, takes off the armor. All he has is a slingshot and what? Some stones. Isn't that awesome? See, in kids' ministry, you're going to learn that Goliath died because of a boy named David and a slingshot and some stones. That's the G-rated version, friends. We don't share this part with your children. How Goliath really died is that he got knocked out by the stones, but then David took Goliath's sword and decapitated Goliath and held his head up for all to see. That's the real story. So that is how Goliath died, but we don't want your children to have nightmares. We want them to love the word of God and not be scared. So families, you're welcome. Moving on. So now we have him, and he's defeated the giant. And the king is so excited because Israel is not a slave. Hear me, friends. Sometimes one person can change the whole future for an entire group of people. Just like one person, Jesus Christ, changed the entire destination for all mankind. David changed the destination for the Israelites. And so the king wants to reward him. King Saul. And he goes, you can marry my daughter. Can't have my first daughter, but you can have my second daughter. And so he marries Michal. And the Bible tells us that Mikkel loves David. Well, how many of y'all have ever had problems with your in-laws? If your in-laws are in the room, you don't have to raise your hand. If they're watching online, I'm not going to raise my hand. And so if you ever had trouble with your in-laws, you've never had trouble like David. Or you have and you need to report it to the police. But David was literally hunted down by King Saul. King Saul got so jealous of David that he literally hunted him and his men down. He spent years and years trying to kill David. So now we fast forward to our part. David is now king. He's now king of Israel, and Saul is gone, and, and it's his time to reign. 
And he had been so victorious in all of the wars. He had been so victorious in, in fighting all the enemies of the people of God. And people just cheered David on. But there was something that David really greatly desired. And that is that he wanted to take the presence of God. Okay, I'm going to explain this for a second. He wanted to take the presence of God to the city of David where his people were. See, back in the day in the Old Testament, the presence of God, meaning the power of God, the victory of God, the blessing of God, the provision of God, that, that, that presence was in a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And that was like the Ark of the Lord is what some other uh, translations of the Bible say. See, in New Testament, you and I, we're, we're New Testament believers, so gospel on, that's what, that's what we get to be into. We, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, that the power of God, that lives inside of us. That the church isn't just a building. The church is actually made of people, and God has decided to make his home in people. I think that's a lot better than a box. Come on. But back then, the power and the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. And David realized wherever that Ark of the Covenant was, there was blessings. Do you guys know where the presence of God is, there is blessing? Where the presence of the God is, there is joy. Where the presence of God is, there is literally provision, supernatural, overflowing provision. And David's like, I'm king. <laughs> Why is that not with us? And so he made arrangements for the Ark of the Covenant to be brought to his city. And here is where we find our story. So David is making his way. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going old school. Come on, baby. Old Testament. And it says this, that David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. I don't know if y'all have ever had trouble naming a child that you're about to have. And you look at the Bible for some amazing inspiration. But then you read names like Obed-Edom and you're like, I don't know, God. It can be a little bit difficult. But he brings it from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. Say party. Y'all, these people are about to party. They are bringing the presence of God and they are having a great celebration. And so they are literally dancing and singing and celebrating. And it says that David and all the people of Israel, they brought up the Ark of the Covenant with shouts and joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Just before that, it says that David danced with all his might. Y'all ever danced? I'm talking like dance, dance. Like dance like nobody cares dance. Like dance, I remember at our wedding, we've been married 12 years. In our wedding, I danced till my curls came out. Come on. I didn't even have enough thick hair. I had a weave. And I'm like, ooh, curl that thing back in. Let's suck that. <laughs> Ladies, you know my problem. Anyways, and so we danced till all of it came out pretty much. David was just dancing with all his might in priestly garments and everybody is celebrating. And it says, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, this is David's wife. It says the daughter of Saul, she looked down from her window and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, y'all, if you have been happy, I'm talking like you're like more than your favorite team, just one kind of happy. Like shouting, doesn't matter, looking like a fool. She sees him doing this. And the Bible tells us that she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent that David prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings. They worshiped and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave to every Israelite, every man, every woman, check this out. He gave them a loaf of bread. 
Ain't no party like a Christian party without food, okay? You can't have a church party without carbohydrates. They gave them cake of dates, cake of raisins. Are you okay, vegans? They gave them fruit. It's good. Then all the people returned to their homes. And so they celebrated. They danced. They ate cake. And yet in this historical story, it shows us that there are really three different types of people in the mix. In this celebration, there's three different types of people. And what I want us to do is I want us just to look at these different groups of people and say, mm, do, do, I, do I relate to one more than the other? Or should I be relating to another one when I'm actually acting like this one? Like, God, what do you want to do? See, that's a preacher's heart every single time that we get up to speak. God, what do you want to speak to people? Because hear me, it is not my job to change anybody. God does that. I simply bring the word, and then you get to sort it out with God on your own. So I'm just asking you, let's sort some stuff out this morning. Let's ask some questions. See, out of these three types of leaders, one of them is going to be leaders. And yet, so here's David. David was the leader of the, the people, but he was also the worship leader. He was dancing, he was singing, he was celebrating. Do you know at church, these people up here, they're not our only worship leaders. Our worship leaders are anybody who is going after God and showing others that this is a life worth living. That my praise, just like Nicole said, what happens in us when we take a drink of that living water, that we become people who can nourish others, that we've got that living water flowing out of us. And so that's what David was doing. He was so overflowed with joy that he didn't want to just have a party by himself. Y'all ever got great news and nobody is there for you to tell them? Or you got to go tell somebody who you don't even like because the people who you do like are not there, but you're just bursting because something is awesome. You got the email that told you that you're going to be promoted and you didn't even think that job was going to be offered to you, but now it's woo! But ain't nobody there to celebrate. That's a horrible feeling. But when you've got like-minded people who are happy for you, not jealous of you, they can celebrate with you. And so here's David celebrating with all the leaders who brought the ark, with all the priests that were there. But they're also a second group of people. That was the participators. Do you know that leaders, if they're operating in God's gifts and they're operating in an overflow of joy, the people should be blessed. The people should be receiving and being able to participate in the amazing things that God is doing. And hear me, God's presence was coming to the city of David. And yes, David was leading the charge, but the leader wasn't the center stage. The Holy Spirit was. God's power was the center stage. See, this show ain't Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Lindsay's show. This is a place where God is the highlight. God is the spotlight. And so it's just so exciting that the people that were there were praising God. They were, I didn't even know we are going to get cake. And they were here, and they were enjoying, and they were eating, and they were, it just celebration was everywhere. That's awesome. Isn't it awesome to be a part of a winning team? Isn't it awesome to be in a place where people are joyful and there's celebration? Why do we love being Golden Knights fans? Because there's celebration. Because in times of a darkness of our city, uh, with death in our city, there was something that came up out of it. And people were joyful and they rallied around being a part of something. The same thing even more powerfully goes to the church of God. Me, the church of God. It's awesome. But there's also a third group of people in this story and that's people like Mikkel that they see what's going on they see the celebration but they're not going to participate 
And I want to talk about that for a moment because, hear me, there is a celebration going on at Avenue Church. There is a celebration going on in the churches of Las Vegas, in the churches of America, in the churches across the world. And my heart is, as a pastor, as a leader, I don't want anybody to be in Mikkel status where they feel that I can't come down there and celebrate. I'm not a part of this. So, So let's look at her life for just a minute. I want to learn. Come on, you know you can learn lessons from difficult people. You know that some of y'all have had bosses where you didn't learn nothing good from them, but you learned everything not to do, right? Well, let's learn from Mikkel on what not to do. And so here she is. It says this, that David returned home to his family to bless his own house. And this is what I loved about David. As a leader, and let me speak to the leaders in the room. We minister to our corporations, okay? We lead our, our, our teams and our departments. We, we lead our organizations. But we also need to come home and lead our families. We need to come home and not just give them our leftovers, but be a blessing to our family. And so here is David, and he's setting the stage for leaders of families because he's coming home to continue the celebration at home. He wasn't burnt out. He was overflowing. And he comes to bless his family, but his wife meets him at the door. You ever had a spouse meet you at the door, and you're like, I think I'm going to turn around. Some of y'all are probably even driven by your house. Don't lie. And you saw her standing outside, and you just acted like you didn't see nothing, and you just drove right past your house. (laughs) So David comes home. Mikkel is in the front of the house. This is what she says to him. She doesn't even let him speak. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls, like any vulgar person might do. Can you imagine? You come home. The presence of God is in your city. You have defeated so many enemies. God is amazing. You just had the best day at church. And you come home, and you are accused of sexual harassment. You are accused of being vulgar and shameful. And David's like, what happened? What happened? See, I want to talk to you about Mikkel, because Mikkel is what is on what I would call a hunger strike. Will you say it with me? Hunger strike. Say it again. Hunger strike. Hunger strike. See, hunger strikes take place when there's a celebration going on, or there's something going on, and there is food on your plate. Food has been prepared for you. It has been placed for you, but for whatever reason, you refuse to eat. You're not picking up a fork. You are pushing the plate away, and you're saying, not today. That's not for me. And so Mikkel is refusing to eat. She was on a hunger strike. She looked down from the royal palace at a celebration and said, I don't want any of that. And I think, why would she not want to participate? Or let's make it even broader. Why do people not participate in celebrations? When something amazing is going on and you know God is moving. 26 people got water baptized on Sunday. You know God is moving. But why do people not want to be involved? Why would they rather go hungry, push the plate away, than jump into the celebration? And I think of Mikkel and I ask, okay, well, why would she go on a hunger strike? Maybe she was offended. See, Saul was her father. She grew up in her father's house. That was her father's kingdom and palace. And now her father is dead. And although it told us previously that she loved David, that, that she was just 
oh my gosh, adoring of David. Now, years later, maybe she's siding more with dad. Maybe she misses the old ways. Maybe you are here today and you're like, I have never seen church like this. Matter of fact, I've never seen a woman preaching up on a stage like this. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to do in this scenario. See, there are scenarios that maybe we come into and we're not comfortable, so we don't want to eat just yet. But see, that's different than what Mikkel was doing. Mikkel realized what was on her plate, and she said, nope. And why? So maybe it was offense. Maybe she, maybe for us, say, let's, let's put it on us. Why do we not participate in the celebration? Maybe it's because we don't feel that we've been invited. You ever saw an event on Facebook or saw pictures? Let's say this, because I've done this. You've seen pictures of an event on Instagram, and you're like, I wasn't even invited to the party. Like, I know that person. I work with that person, and I wasn't invited. And yet you go back, and if you would have checked your message inbox in Facebook, it was an event, and you were invited to it, right? Anybody ever done that? I've done that. Got all hurt and sad that I wasn't invited to a party, and yet I had the invitation all along. I just didn't know. I didn't look. But there's some people who don't believe that they're invited to a party. Do you know that church is a celebration that everybody's invited to? That the presence of God is something that all are welcome to come and to enjoy? And so if we are sitting on the backside, or if we're like Mikkel and we're sitting up in a palace, and we're isolated and we're moved away, and we're like, ah, that's not for me, you are invited. Maybe there's the thought that, they don't need me or there's no room for me. I laugh because, hear me, I, I get the people. My personality type is introverted. Now, I love to teach, so I'm an animated teacher. But at heart, you will find me at home with a book. I'm introverted. Now, my husband, y'all know Pastor Jeremy. He is a partier. It don't matter if he had an invitation. If he, see that, if he sees that a party's going on, like he's just making his way in the mix and he's dancing. That is Jeremy all day long. Okay, guys, people ask me, is your husband the same way at home as he is on Sundays? Y'all don't even know. All the time. That man is so hard to be upset with because he's so funny all the time. He is the essence of life-giving. Like, that is who he is. So Jeremy would be like a, car, a party crasher, not a party pooper. I would be the party pooper. I would be the one who's like, they didn't invite me. Or they don't need me. I feel it's built in the, the context of my personality that I need you to tell me that there's a place for me at the table. And here's what happens at churches. We take that same personality defense mechanism and we put it in the place of the house of God. And we say, well, I'm not going to serve on the 18 because they don't need me. Or I'm not going to get involved because I didn't get a direct invitation. I tell you guys, we do church for you. We are church because of you. And there is always an invitation at the table. And I apologize if someone has not asked you face to face. I apologize if you've gone through a growth track program and maybe you were the one person that we wrote down a six when it was supposed to be a nine in your phone number and we got it wrong. It happens. Or was that a, a Q in the email or is that a G in the email address? We sometimes get it wrong. But we have a decision to make. Do I become offended or do I become hurt? Do I feel that there's not a place for me here? That there's a celebration going on and I'm not invited. Do I take myself to that party or do I watch from my tower as everybody else is celebrating? I don't want you to watch from your tower. I want you to come to the celebration. See, there are symptoms of a hunger strike. Mikkel had symptoms. See, the hunger strike is hard because really, friends, you're hungry. 
if you're like me, you get hangry. Like, Jeremy knows, unless he feeds me after church on Sunday, like, you don't need to talk to me. We don't make any big decisions when we're hungry. Fasting, we don't make any decisions when we're fasting. <laughs> Only prayer takes place when we are fasting. <laughs> because there is a such thing as hangry. But anyways, there are symptoms that take place when somebody is on a hunger strike. Number one, disconnected. That's a symptom. Not only do you feel disconnected, but you actually start removing yourself further and further away from people. And so as we're hearing these things, it's a good thing to say, you know what? Is that happening to a friend of mine that maybe I need to reach out to? Or is that happening to me? Am I being invited to a celebration? Is food being put on my plate? Am I eating it or am I pushing it away? Am I coming to the party? Am I RSVP? Am I showing up or am I disconnecting? There's also negative speech. Think about what Mikkel said to her husband. She called him shameful. In her tone, it was, I'm disgusted by you. She, she accused him of sexual harassment. I mean, this is, we, make, we make stories in our mind, guys, when we're offended. We, we, we repaint pictures that never even happened when we are hurt or we are in pain because what he did is he danced. Now, he might have looked a little crazy. He may have been a little foolish. He may not have cared who was around. But come on, when your jam is on, your jam is on. And his jam was on, and he was celebrating. And so maybe he appeared to be a little silly, but he did not do what she painted the picture of him doing. And so we got to watch ourselves when we get sad or upset or feel that we're not invited because we might be painting a picture that's really not accurate. And then our mouth starts speaking on that picture that they don't need me or I'm not invited or how stupid do they look? I remember being a teenager and I was guilty of it. I remember watching people in church raise their hands and I would make fun of them as a teenager because I refused to eat. I refused to be a part of it. I didn't understand it and so I pushed it away. See, there's a difference between not understanding and not being ready yet and there's a difference of that and then actually making fun of something you don't understand. That's more of a defense mechanism with that sarcasm and the frustration. And so watch for negative speech. But then there's also isolation. It's hard enough not to just be disconnected, but when we actually get isolated, that's an island. We're not coming around anybody. But I think the worst thing that she had was that she had a superior attitude. I mean, she was a princess, don't get me wrong. And now she's the queen. But David was still above her as the king of Israel. He was still God's chosen. Hear me. He puts her in her place. Now hear me. He's not putting her as a person. He's not belittling her and boxing her in as a person. He's putting her attitude in place. You ever give somebody an attitude check where you love them dearly? You got to do it as a parent. Sometimes you got to do it as a leader, as a boss, where you love that person so much. But the attitude that they are doing, the personality or the mindset that they are taking on, you know it's not based on an accurate picture. And so you got to sit them down and you got to talk to them and you got to put them in their place, but in a healthy way. So this is what David says to her. He retorted to Michal. He says, I was dancing before the Lord. So he's saying, as you're judging me and as you're shaming me as my wife, I was dancing not for you. I wasn't dancing for the people. I was dancing for God. When you judge me on what I give, I'm not giving foolishly. I'm not serving for other people to recognize me. I am doing this because my God's presence is amazing. And so he says this to her. She says, he says, the Lord chose me 
above your father. He's saying, it's not my fault that your daddy ain't king anymore. I didn't kill your dad. I honored your dad. See, some of us get frustrated because others are in leadership above us. Or maybe somebody at work got the the spot that you wanted or the project that you wanted. And you felt that you were the more deserving one. Maybe you are. But friends, my God is funny like that. Where he takes a shepherd boy and he makes him a king. He takes a murderer and makes him the greatest writer in the New Testament. That is what God does. He uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And so we can't be mad. So David is saying, Mikal. It's the Lord that I'm doing this for. It's God who put me before your father and your family. He appointed me the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Do y'all know we probably wouldn't be mad at people if we understood their motive? We wouldn't be so uh, hurt or offended if we understood the reason behind it, that he was just excited. It wasn't that he, he didn't bring her down. It wasn't that she wasn't a part of this new way of leading. Hear me, the message hadn't changed. The method might have been a little bit different in his leadership, but they were still doing what they were called to do. And she always had a spot. He says, yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you message or you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. Here's what I love. There are going to be people in your life try to paint a picture of what others think of you. They're going to try to tell you that other people think you're silly. They're going to try to tell you that other people think you're selfish. Or they're going to try to tell you that other people, oh, no, you're just prideful or you don't deserve this. And he said, oh, no, woman, not today. No, Satan, not today. You are not going to tell me this. They are not going to see me as foolish or shameful. They're going to see me as distinguished as I am. That's powerful, friends. There are going to be talkers in your life all day long. And I'm not saying your mama is from Satan. I'm not saying your coworker is from Satan. But I'm saying that there is an attitude and a presence and a thought that is not of God. And if something is not of God, it is of this world. And of this world is of the enemy. And so they can be a tool for a minute. I've been a tool for a minute. It happens. But David was so awesome that he put his foot down. He said, you're not going to call me. What my God has not called me, they will see me as distinguished. Whew. That's exciting. It's exciting. See, here's what I want us to see, that there are consequences for a hunger strike. There were consequences for this woman. Not only did she miss out. Some of us have a fear of missing out. Others were just like, I ain't going to participate. But she had consequences. Do you know that if you don't eat, you're going to be malnourished? So if we refuse to participate, if we refuse to eat what God is giving us and putting in our lives, guys, you're going to be malnourished. You're going to be lacking. There's going to be a deficiency in you. But also there's broken relationships. If we take a superior attitude on towards other people, or we belittle them for what they do, or if we judge what they are doing, especially when they're doing it for God, there's broken relationships that come of that. You see, Mikhail, the Bible tells us that she remained childless throughout the rest of her life. Isn't that crazy? That this is, this is Mikhail and David. This is husband and wife. And there was no cable back then. And so there should have been a lot of children. And so the Bible tells us that she remained childless, right? I don't think God made her barren. Theologians don't believe that God punished her with barrenness. They believe that David never treated her as his wife again. See, when we belittle people 
When we shame people, we break relationships. We put a void between us and them. Now, now let me give you some hope. I'm a person who runs my mouth. I've been a mouth runner since I was a child, since I could talk. I remember my my stepdad, whom I grew up with, always told me, Lindsay, your alligator mouth is going to override your parakeet butt. That's a good one. If you parents, if you have never used it, you have my permission to use it. Your alligator mouth is going to override your parakeet butt. So you tell me this because I was the type of person that if I had already said something, it was not going to be easy for me to repent right then because I already feel like I messed up. And if I already went this far, why don't I just keep going with it? And I would go and go and go because I didn't feel there was ever a chance to turn back. Do you know because of Jesus Christ, we always have a chance to turn back. We don't have to stay locked up in a tower, looking down at everybody else, celebrating, eating cake. Oh, and you're on a diet and you're at a party and everybody else is having birthday cake. And you're like, oh, I hate my life. I can't have cake. Friends, you can have cake. (laughs) You can have the celebration of what God is doing because you can turn back. The greatest relationship that we have, the greatest reason for celebration that you and I will ever have in our life is that Jesus Christ loved us and that he gave his life for us. That we do not have to earn his grace. We don't work for his grace. And some of us, that is hard. Because we spend our lives earning something. We earn our spot at work. We earn our place in our families. We earn our place in our careers and our education. But salvation is the one thing that you can never work hard enough to earn. And God did it systematically because you and I can't deserve salvation. That one sin can disqualify us from a life of eternity with God. And so Jesus Christ took it upon himself that whether you've sinned once or you've sinned a trillion times, God, Jesus, was going to be your salvation. And on the cross, he was going to make a way so you could be a part of the greatest celebration that will ever take place, and that celebration is in heaven, right? But here's what I love about church. is church is supposed to be a continuation of the celebration that's taken place in heaven. Church is a rally of people that are coming. Do you know how beautiful it is that, look around, there's people all different colors, shapes, sizes, ages. We all come from so many different backgrounds. And yet we can come together under one name and together we can glorify God. We can bring our friends and our family who maybe have never even heard the name of Jesus. But there is such a vibe in this place. There's something so different. Why does this place feel like community? Why does this place feel like home? Friends, it's because the presence of God. And the presence of God transcends all different things that divide us. Jesus transcends social status. He transcends ethnic status and every different type of thing. It's amazing. And so I want to tell you, you are invited to the celebration. If you would stand with me today, please, I want to close out with this. See, the greatest relationship that we can have is with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Where I simply take my guilt, my shame, my pain, my frustrations, or maybe what I think is my perfect life. And I I give it to him in exchange for his love and his grace, his salvation in my life. That is the best relationship. If you want to belong, and I'm not talking just fit in. If you want to belong in anything, you want to belong to God, to heaven, to his kingdom. It's amazing. 
And so if you are in this place today and you're saying, I don't know how I can even join this celebration because I haven't even met the person who's invited me in the first place. And that is Jesus. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you are in this place today and you're saying, you know what, maybe I've been, I've been sitting far back and I've just been watching. Friends, maybe you're in here today and you've been hurt by church in the past or you've been hurt by God because you feel that he didn't show up for something and you have spent too long up in your own palace instead of joining the celebration. Or if you're in here today and you have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, what I want to do is I want to pray for you to make that commitment to him, to exchange your life for his, to let go of any pain, to let go of any frustration. And you're not chucking it away and acting like it never happened. You're placing it in the hands of an almighty God who can do far more about your situation than you can. So if that is you today, I want you to do this. I want to pray this prayer together because as a family, we celebrate together. We are better together. And so all of us together, let's say this, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying for what I did. I receive your forgiveness. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one with all my heart the best way I know how. I am going to live for you. Today, I give my life. I give everything. I now know who I am. Come on, and we say this like an anthem. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. Come on. Come on. The Bible tells us that heaven erupts in a celebration when just one person comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. As pastor of this church, I wanna tell you, there is going to be celebrating for many years to come. Avenue has been alive for now 27 months. We've got places to go. We believe that our best years ahead are still to come. Our best moments are still to be had. And I don't want you to ever sit on the sidelines. I want you to know that you have a personal invitation that this church can be a place where your family can grow. This church can be a place where you can learn more about who God created you to be. This church can be a place where you know what? I need to maybe just be here for a while and let God sort some things out in my life. Maybe this is a place of healing, but hear me, this can be your celebration too. It is your celebration. It's time for the church to start owning some things instead of disowning what God has told us is ours. And so I'm excited for what is to come. We love you guys. I bless you. God bless you. You're awesome. There's so much more to be. Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc.